Welcome, one and all, to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. We have a packed house. This is the Ben Man. With me, as usual, is... Just my normal named self, Andrew, <laughs> everybody. Nothing Only special to today. And Just uh, fucking recurring. normal. <laughs> Get over it. Now, I'm self-conscious. I got the only nickname in here, but anyway. Uh, returning to our show is Eric Elliott and Ian Miller. Hey, everyone. And uh, they're the team behind the fan comic from uh, last year that we talked about, Batman versus Godzilla, and we discussed the unmade Batman 66 movie where Adam West would have fought Godzilla and then did the sketch where it's Robin's dick that defeats Godzilla. Uh, but <laughs> you check that out. That's when we had sketches, everybody. If you came to the podcast recently, we used to do a ton of work for not many listens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we fixed that before, but uh, if you have not seen that already, you can uh, check that out uh, over there. We've, uh, we're showing it right now uh, on the visual sides. But uh, yes, the Batman meets uh, Godzilla episode. But uh, we're going to talk about something different. Now, uh, they're joining us to discuss The Robin Who Never Was, which was uh, Marlon Wayans and their own fan comic set in the Batman 89 universe. And first issue was released before the Batman 89 comic came out from Sam Hamm and Joe Quinones. The fan comic I mentioned at the end of each and every Batman 89 comic issue essay, uh, video essay, which is uh, Batman Enigma, which you guys can check out at twitter.com slash Enigma Batman. So. Uh, we're going to discuss all those. Uh, this is the same year, guys, where uh, Sam Hamm and Daniel Waters showed up. So, you know, no pressure. <laughs> 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 right after it's <laughs> on uh, working on your own stuff. No but uh, yeah, how have you guys been since last time? And what's on, you know, what's going on with these uh, Batman meets Godzilla and Batman Enigma? It's, oh, everything's been great. You know, first, uh, thanks for having us on the show. And Absolutely. congratulations. You guys have been getting all kinds of gifts with. Uh, <laughs> Sam Hamm and Daniel Waters, <laughs> uh, like, uh, and, and continuing to add to the the Batman research. I mean, like, I, like you guys are doing a public service. Anybody writing Batman comics, movies, I guarantee you, they're listening to your shows or going back into your history and digging through it. And just you know, there's so much good stuff to mine that if if nobody else is listening, it's definitely us Batman uh, people trying to write Batman stories. We're definitely mm. checking this out. And uh, you know, I listen to you guys all the time. I don't know you, but I feel like I know you just because I hear your <laughs> guys in my head all the time. Oh, you know, wow. when I'm out when I'm out going for a walk and I'm like, oh, that's so Andrew, you know. <laughs> Not listening again. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for having oh. us on the show. Oh, oh no sorry. problem. Uh, awesome. So, uh, yeah, one of the things that uh, for those who have read Enigma or about to read Enigma, uh, it's it's really interesting, too, in looking at the differences in this and the 89 comic, but because it's almost there's some crossovers, but it's it's almost like by just happenstance, uh, you guys have a completely different direction than, you know, the the Sam Ham Quinones one where it was purely Billy D. Williams, Two-Face. Catwoman Returns, Robin is the main the main thing that... Uh, your take and their take have in common, but it's interesting that, you know, in yours, it's the Riddler and Scarecrow, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Harvey's in it, but it's not Two-Face. So it almost kind of like, well, you know, now that, you know, in reading both, it's kind of cool to just see like, okay, if you really want to see Keaton's Batman versus a Robin Williams Riddler and, you know, Nicholas Cage Scarecrow, you can look at Enigma. If you want to see the Two-Face story, you could look at uh, this one. So it's, a, it's kind of cool to sort of see it diverge. Uh, but one of the connective tissues, of course, is, the really fascinating take on Robin that we could have gotten 
in <laughs> Batman Returns that uh, yeah. you, know, you guys bring to life, that the comic brings to life and in different ways. And we'll kind of like sort of dive and compare and contrast. But uh, I thought we would sort of start with a bit of the history of how Robin was almost in these movies uh, with 89 and Returns and then sort of segue in the second half to talk about the official comic and then your guys's comic and sort of the the differences yeah. there because it's definitely you know uh given the fact that there's different creative teams different takes on this even though it's still the idea of the marlon wayans robin still the idea of a robin who kind of decided to become his own vigilante rather than the traditional like oh he gets adopted at 12 years old and raised by that right. kind of thing <laughs> so um if uh, those of you who are listening in, you've been a follower of ours for a while, you know Robin was almost a part of the Tim Burton Batman movies, as crazy as it seems, especially with 89. It just does not seem like he would fit into that. Uh, but uh, it, it makes sense. It was developed at a time where Robin was synonymous with Batman due to the 66 show and, and a comic history, and they were really pushing for Robin to be there. So he was in every single script or so. I think there was... There's an older episode in the backlog where it was like a recurring joke when I kind of just gave a summary of each script and, and just halfway through the description, I'd be like, and then Batman meets an orphan kid and then he goes to the circus. It's definitely like, ah, uh, <laughs> this is where they put him in. But, you know, yeah. Warner Brothers really pushing Robin to be in there. And the common thing was just like, well, we want the Joker to be the villain. So we'll just have the Joker kill the Graysons off. And so like, Sometimes that would happen two thirds of the way into the movie where you're just like, all right, man, this is forced. But like, I get <laughs> I get it. They were under <laughs> mandates. Uh, Steve Englehart, I think, is the one who did it best. We cover that treatment if you guys want to check that out. But uh, yeah. he did it as like it's basically a Robin origin movie with flashbacks to Batman's origins and stuff. So it felt a little less but more organic for that to be there because that seemed like the main through line of that story. Yeah. Uh, Tim Burton, kind of not surprisingly, since he loves the whole loner aspect. He hates Robin. He didn't see the point. Of, you listen to the commentary and the, the movies and you just like, I don't see the point of a kid being around Batman. He's supposed to be a loner and stuff. And it's it's kind of the common argument you see with people who really love their loner Batman. And still, you know, even though it is Tim Burton uh, at this time where he's like towards the peak of, uh, you know, his career and stuff, it's still studio mandates that he's uh, kind of a victim to at this point. So um, according to Sam Hamm, who we brought on to the show, check out that interview, um, they were in a tough spot and they really tried to brainstorm stuff and they almost gave up on it until they came up with the idea of uh, adding in a sequence in the movie where uh, Batman is chasing after Joker after the scene in Vicky's apartment. Joker is setting off fireworks at this Gotham City celebration and that sort of inadvertently caused the Graysons to fall to the deaths or burn to death, which is even darker and leave a young Dick Grayson wanting revenge. Uh, so both the sort of ham script and the Englehart script also have early versions of this idea that the Grayson circuits outfit are the, you know, the classic red, green, and yellow costumes from the comics that would, you know, then influence his suit later on. So that actually comes from these scripts leading up to this first movie, which I thought is interesting because it seems like, oh, that's that's from the beginning, right? And then you look at the first issue of Robin, you're just like, oh, their costumes don't look at all like the Robin costume <laughs> stuff. So uh, we'd finally get to see that in Batman Forever. Uh, one interesting thing I wanted to go into, obviously, this is about Marlon Wayans, but some of the actors considered for 89 uh, for the Robin role. Most famously reported is Irish actor Ricky Addison Reed from Return to Salem's Lot, which I have not seen yet. I don't know how good of a Robin 
he could have been. I've only the only Salem's Lot I've seen is bits and pieces of the Rob Lowe one. I've not seen the original yet, which I should. Uh, I'm waiting to read the Salem's Lot book first. Oh, it's though. it's a long book, so you're gonna be in it for a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did. <laughs> uh, Stephen I got, King wrote a long book. <laughs> <laughs> I got through it, so I'm pretty sure I can get through Salem's Lot. Well, that's... Yeah. Oh Thanks God. to all accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have an endorsement with them yet, but this is the point where I would do that. <laughs> oh yeah, I wish we had an uh, endorsement with Audible. That'd be awesome. That would be the perfect segue. Like, thanks Ooh. to Audible, you can get up, you can listen to Stephen King stuff and not have to worry about opening a four thousand page book. But I just want like a few free credits a month. They don't have to pay know, us. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, just give just give us some extras. credits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Future Batman Ben Affleck reported that he auditioned along with his buddy Matt Damon. Uh, of course, if that happened, we would never have gotten Batfleck. But uh, he did say that each of them were convinced that they were going to get the role for sure. Obviously, we know how that turned out. Uh, most intriguing to me, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, who was 19 at the time and had just finished stand by me you cannot see him as like the traditional robin but i think it's nah. intriguing to me because i'm just like he has such the persona thanks to stand by me and uh lost boys later on that like he's the dark bully rebellious teenager i'm like this would have been like yeah. the edge like this would have exemplified if batman doesn't like train this kid he's gonna be a super villain so <laughs> 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 yeah. you know persona at the time uh he turned it down because like a lot of the actors at the time they're just like i don't want to play that bullshit because they were thinking you know the 66 show and they were serious yeah. actors so um he'd go on to the lost boys in 87 directed of course by a certain joel schumacher uh by the way since by the time this gets released halloween would have passed but this is before halloween when we record this saw lost boys for the first time I know I've got a lot of catching up to do. I'm not a big horror guy. <laughs> so for the first time this Halloween season, uh, it was one of the few, I believe, that lived up to the hype when you watched it. Because there's a lot of different horror stuff that yeah. I'm like, I'll check this out. And then I'm just like, all right, I get it. This was innovative at the time. Now, not so much. But this one, I'm just like, I'm mainly expecting a, a fun kind of freaky 80s like vampire flick and that's exactly what i got Holds so, up great. oh yeah, yeah absolutely i saw it for the first time during the pandemic actually so i'm not too far in front yeah. of you of seeing that i did i just didn't grow up seeing that movie man same yeah there are yeah. certain movies that i saw with this where i'm just like with lost boys for sure i'm just like man i would have loved this as a kid i still like it now but i would have loved yeah, i wish great. i saw this earlier you seen monster are... squad I saw Monster Squad. That's another one. That I felt <laughs> okay. The same way where I'm just like I, I like, I like this now. I would have even fucking loved this as a kid. Oh, bad, dude! You know, I so saw long. that when I, I saw that when I was a kid. That was a yeah. good one. That of course, there's so others perfect. where I'm just like, I should have just seen this as a kid. This <laughs> 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 to some of these others. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but um, uh, another name that's relevant for us to talk about about Robin because at some point in the process they considered a comedic take on Batman from Ivan Reitman with Bill Murray as Batman and Eddie Murphy <laughs> as Robin. And Michael Uslan said they did they kept that away from him because Uslan yeah. was, you know, the big component for the dark and serious Batman movie. So he, you know, he was not endorsing this at all. But this is relevant in the sense that before Marlon Wayans, they were already at one point considering not only an African American actor, but a black comedian for the role. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is kind of the predecessor for that uh according to bill murray he and eddie murphy could not agree which one of them would be batman or robin neither <laughs> one wanted to be a sidekick which... yeah, i could see that i can't it's... imagine either one of them taking it seriously though 
Uh, no, no. I, it would yeah. been comedic for sure. Yeah. Bill Murray's Murray. Bill Murray's now in Quantum Mania. Yeah, that too. I so, saw yeah. that. It's like yeah, <laughs> finally <laughs> made it to a superhero yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Murray and Reitman would then go on to a little movie called Ghostbusters afterwards. So I yeah. think they turned out okay. Yeah, they did. They did all right. Yeah. <laughs> They did decent. It's not bad, man, but they did decent. Uh, but eventually, uh, 89 goes way over budget when they make it. And they're like, what could we cut? Maybe this random ass action sequences with fireworks in a parade with, with Robin and having to cast a young actor for like, you know, the last quarter of the movie. So they decided no Robin for 89. I think we can all agree it was better off for it. Yeah. Even though I think the ham script does a pretty good job knowing that like, knowing that mandate is in there, but it, you really, it really needs to have been closer to what the, the angle art um, script did, which is like, just make it the, the full through line of the movie rather than just right. like throw it in there, like introducing Robin. All right, we're out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, studios keen on having Robin still though. And so they decided to bring him into the next movie. And that's where I think things get even more interesting because beforehand you get like, all right, how do we bring in the circus thing? And then it just seems like in the sequel, they're just like, all right, just let's forget about the circus thing. Let's bring in Robin, whatever we want to. So yeah. uh, Ham takes a crack at it again. And instead of the whole Bruce Wayne just randomly goes to the circus in the middle of the movie, they're like, let's forget that Dick Grayson is 13 or 14 still, but he's on the street. He's fighting crime in a, like a grimy, tattered raincoat is described. It's implied that he has no parents, that he lost his parents. You know, Alfred asks him in the script, like, how do you know, sir? And he's like, I know, you know, which I thought was cool. Uh, and he does have a circus uniform with an R on his chest that's left over. But the actual deaths happen off screen. Bruce Wayne was not there when it happened. And it sort of has a really cool idea of, you know, what if Robin beats Batman when he's already a vigilante on the streets? Batman has not taken him in, has not trained him. And that DNA seeps over into the Batman 89 comic since it's Sam Hamm again, but also into your guys' version in Batman Enigma. So to talk a little bit about that, you know, I'm sure that's one of the things that jumped out to you to carry mm -hmm. over into yeah. your stuff. Yeah, well, that's actually one of the things I'm most proud of in that, you know, this is a huge problem when you're trying to bring in, you know, a what's usually a brighter character, Robin, to, mm -hmm. you know, like this dark portrayal of Batman. And how do you do that? And how do you do it organically? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the you know, one of the things that early on, I mean, we, we always wanted Robin to be in the, the book. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, there was a, you know, an animatic that was done for one of the DVDs that had the circus thing and um mm. i don't remember which dvd if that was batman forever or who's uh 89 89 okay so, so there's conroy's yeah. batman yeah. yeah and then they even had yeah they had uh, mark hamill do the voice and all that so mm -hmm. um so we talked about doing that and you know like for me it was like you know what would make more sense with a dark batman let's just skip robin let's do nightwing you mm -hmm. know and yeah. And then the other thing, too, though, was the whole circus thing, like trying to bring that into the story organically. It just it just doesn't work for for me. Um, and so, you know, we kind of hint at um, in the in the two books that you've seen so far, mm -hmm. um, his origins. We really get into it at the opening of the third issue. And what we learn is that the Flying Graysons are no longer a circus show, but an air show. And yeah. so. Mm -hmm. The uh, the Nightwing um, emblem comes from 
um, Grayson's Dick Grayson's father, who was in Vietnam and flew night flight. Oh, and so that was his call name, call sign, the uh, Nightwing. And so we get a little bit more of that in one of the um, you know one of this uh, uh, early on in the book when. Nightwing gets attacked by um, Scarecrow with the fear serum, the fear gas, mm-hmm. and he starts seeing things. And he starts seeing like his, this crashed airplane and his father coming towards him. And and we start putting these pieces together. And then later on, when he meets the group, you know, Catwoman and Alfred and Batman, they, they we get a little bit more into it. So that was, mm-hmm. you know, so that was a, um, probably the biggest problem trying, like two big problems trying to set up the story so Robin was number one, number one. How do you do it? <laughs> and, and and you like you said, there's all. I mean, how many different scripts have had Robin in them, and how mm-hmm. many different takes have there been? Um, yeah. So I'm most proud of that in terms of what we do for this story. You know, in fact, you know, like that's almost a character I would like to revisit on his his own story, his own solo story. Is such mm-hmm. a great character. Yeah. The, you know, I feel like the the way we set him up and the way he um, you know, develops in the story, I think is, you know, I'm real proud of. The other big problem was Robin Williams character and, and how do we bring that type of villain into this dark um, story? And, you know, we'll talk more about that, but yeah, Nightwing mm-hmm. was the hardest thing to crack, but so that was the kind of thinking behind it. And then of course, Ian, had this great design uh, for Nightwing that really pops and we see more of it and a lot of it in the, uh, the third and final issue. Yeah. Uh, the process with that was uh, taking any type of uh, costume like that. You're like, well, how does it make sense in the burden verse, but also in a movie sense, you mm-hmm. know? So what I did was I looked at different versions of the costume through the comics. So I was like, you know, it'd be cooler. We don't really sort see a broader, emblem of nightwing you know on the chest by one of the tips to co- co- come towards the back oh yeah, yeah. No, I so can that see that. Thing. and the cowl that went through a couple of different designs because you know it's always nice to have the short you know eye mask it's always nice mm-hmm. but it's like wouldn't it be cooler if he just kind of had a neck that kind of connected kind of like the back cowl mm-hmm. but the top you know is cut off so it's like you know you can have a little breathing, you know. So yeah, that, and as well, yeah. keep it like not covered at the top because otherwise, yeah. then you get into like, well, it doesn't really look like the character anymore. Yeah, the yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I do. I, I like that choice because of the fact that like gives more protection, but also, as we said, like it doesn't interfere with the silhouette, which is like the hair at the top. You know, like it, it yeah. makes it look like uh, the character and the, and the Nightwing character. And I and I do appreciate the choice as well that. Um, you've you've discussed eric about the origin of it because i always thought it was kind of weird i'm just like so the grayson says i'm going to take on my own identity and so i'm going to take it from a legendary kryptonian (laughs) 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 it's kind of a weird origin uh i don't know where that comes from i mean it's cool little sync up there but Mm -hmm. yeah it's a little random you know yeah well, it just kind of goes into my rant of just like, well, Robin is inspired by Robin Hood, but shouldn't that have been Green Arrow's sidekick? But then Green Arrow's sidekick is Speedy, which makes <laughs> more sense for the flat. Like, it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah never is. True. <laughs> Let's redo this. Let's reboot the universe again. <laughs> yeah. We haven't done that enough. Yeah. No, no. 
<laughs> how did you draw everything. how did you draw nightwing's butt though dude <laughs> <laughs> give us that cake Ian. <laughs> well the fans uh, demand it <laughs> he looked at a lot of pictures of men's butts <laughs> <laughs> oh yes i did <laughs> <laughs> No, got no, to, he was, yeah, he was like, Eric, what, he's like, Eric, what do you think of this butt? I'm like, stop sending me butts. <laughs> Driving him nuts. They're all <laughs> good. I'm like, just pick one already. There's I can like only get so hard. Designs. <laughs> just covered. Oh, Unused God. butt can- concept art is our next episode. <laughs> you like to put, you put on Pornhub so you can feel less, <laughs> less uh, embarrassed if you get caught. <laughs> well, I swear this is research sweet. Oh, <laughs> but to be fair, that's Ian's. I mean, like he does a couple of things really well. Like he does Batmobiles butts. and costumes and butts. <laughs> I mean, so you know <laughs> it's in his wheelhouse, you know. I, I have to respect that. I do I no, Lord knows I do, so oh, God. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, <laughs> right. well, maybe we can get to see some of that in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know Ian has some stuff to show us. Um, if you tease it in the first act, it's got to pay off in the third act. You know, that's, oh, that's screenwriting. That's screenwriting rule 101. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> so I hope Ian is not disappointed. But anyway, uh, we in, in the Batman 2 script by Sam Hamm, another idea that got carried over into Enigma as well as the Batman 89 comic series is the street gang that's inspired by. Batman. In the original script, it's the Red Berets, which, you know, are inspired by, you know, their own real life vigilante gang in the streets of New York. But, you know, now that we were a little bit more removed from that and there's a sort of a tie into the Dark Knight Returns anyway, uh, it feels like your comic and the comic series sort of adds in the Sons of the Batman type of influence as well into that. It's a gang of guys dressed in actual Batman masks and they're kind of like the rivals to Robin or, or Nightwing or, or just Dick Grayson or Drake Winston's character uh, in this whole thing. He's got four different names, Jesus. But like he, he pretty much is like, he's almost like the sanctioned protege or the sanctioned copycat, and they're the unsanctioned ones uh, in some way to that. Yeah. It's an interesting early idea that kind of gets copied, you know, replicated later on in The Dark Knight, but it feels very much more of a uh, a recurring or a subplot that lasts throughout the whole story in the original ham script in the comic series. And I'm going to assume in your guys is obviously I've not read the third issue yet because it hasn't been released, but um, it feels like that's, that's kind of there where as opposed to dark Knight, it's kind of just like, this is a cool idea. And then Joker kills that one dude. And then that's it that's uh, when yeah. it comes to that. Um, so could you speak more into the decision to add that into there was it kind of a similar thing that i just described in terms of just like, yeah you know what this would be cool so you got a couple of problems that you're trying to solve so one is like what does nightwing do <laughs> so <laughs> so you want to, and so you know it kind of comes into how we introduced them in issue two um or i guess mm-hmm. issue one it, um, um yeah. issue one where he jumps in and starts fighting the the bad boys who were mm-hmm. actually they're trying to drive away protesters that are on the scene. And so, um, you know, the idea was kind of set up that, you know, somebody, something is, you know, behind these guys. What are the, why are these guys out here? You know, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're kind of taking on the, you know, the identity of Batman, but they're, 
you know, they're, they're not good guys. And mm. we get that right away um, in issue one. Um, you know, so we're also kind of tying it into Enigma. How do you set up, you know, Riddler? And yeah. so the idea with Riddler, you know, so with the very, we open issue one with his theme park that's been closed down. And that's mm-hmm. where the bat boys are kind of hanging around and attacking homeless people. And then, you know, so there's this idea that the, the Enigma, Edward Enigma used to be a big deal. Something's, you know, he's on the downward climb. And we see that in issue one talking to Bruce Wayne at the charity auction. And like Bruce Wayne says to him, like, aren't you bankrupt? And he's like, it's called restructuring, Bruce. (laughs) And so, you know, he's got, so he's, and he tells Bruce, like, you know, I'm going to burn the city down and rebuild it. You know, Mm -hmm. he offers, he offers Bruce like, Hey, you know, both of our families were founders of this city of Gotham. Mm -hmm. Our names are on the founding charter. Join Mm -hmm. me, join me. And we, I have plans to revitalize this city and you you know like we could do this together and bruce like i don't want any part of what you're doing you know mm-hmm. and and he kind of alludes to some of the you know some of the things that is in the character of enigma which is like you know i don't care about your casinos or your or your game shows and so like we're kind of teasing like he's got this background you know as a, a reality tv show um uh, personality. He's a, he, he went to boarding school with Bruce. He's very wealthy. His family is, you know, one of the founding fa- uh, families. So we're kind of building him up as this counterpart to Bruce. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, so, the, you know, you know, talk about, you know, that, you know, introducing the Riddler and how that was a challenge, like in one of the scripts. Um, and I know, you know, uh, where <laughs> he wears a leprechaun suit, you know, like, the, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was taken from the circus, you know, like how they kind of type that in. And I thought it would be more interesting is if like that was a persona that he had from a game show. Mm, and yeah. and that, you know, he's he's kind of this big personality, um, a big mouth, multimillionaire guy that wants power and he wants to take over Gotham. And we kind of see we definitely see more of that in issue three. Yeah. And kind of what he's doing behind the scenes and who he's working with to to set the pieces in place for him to take take over Gotham. And he's partnered with Scarecrow um, and, you know, and Scarecrow is you know, helping him build an army. And we see that in issue, we kind of see that at the end of issue two, where we <laughs> see Scarecrow and Enigma with all the Bat Boys in a warehouse and so you know they're working together to build this army to take over gotham mm-hmm. and then you know we pay that off in issue three so that was the idea is like you is you know there's a couple of things you know so they're they're an army and mm-hmm. and they they give nightwing a you know a some action but then it's also kind of like the simmering storyline like who's behind these guys what are they really doing what's their motivation and then what can we reveal in issue two that you know that enigma and scarecrow are behind it mm-hmm. and then we get into issue three kind of how that all pays off and um and you know how does you know batman and gang how do they how do they you know how do they bring this army down and bring down enigma and scarecrow mm-hmm. 
yeah, gotcha. it's a it's a much bigger climax than uh, I think the fans gonna be anticipating. Um, it kind of rivals the first two films' climaxes, mm-hmm. but it it's not it's it's of its of its own. Yeah, I would nice. say it's very very in line with like you know. So like in my mind, one of the things I, I try to think about is like the Bert, the first two Burton movies, and mm-hmm. in terms of scale. They're smaller movies than like if you think about the Nolan movies yeah. and mm-hmm. and how those were a little bit more you know bigger scale more a little bit more epic the you know there's not so many sets in the Burton movies as there are mm-hmm. in the Nolan movies and that kind of thing um, and then like the climaxes are like you know, you have this big set piece for the climax you know mm-hmm. and so that's you know how we work the into the the final issue and so. Yeah, because of the fan comic, you know, we're we're trying to keep it to three comics and and not sure. doing like the the six comics because like it would just take over your life. If you know, <laughs> right, I'm sure. You know, and it, and it and it would just take forever to get out. So mm-hmm. trying to trying to keep the story to three three comics, you know, you make choices about things and um and how's the you know how do you get to the, the best payoff in the time the, the amount of comics you know that you're trying to do. So mm-hmm. I think it's in terms of like the the payoff and like, you know, and I'll give um, Ian credit, you know, like when we first started talking about doing this, you know, he had in his mind, you know, exactly how he, you know, he's like, I want Riddler and Scarecrow and I want the ending to be this, you know? Yeah. And, and so that's kind of where we took it. Well, nice. yeah. Uh, some things had to be taken out, obviously just for, just for, the page count, you know, and also keeping in the three issue thing. But yeah, the original climax that I had was much bigger than what this is going to be. But this is actually better because it's more condensed. And you'll see what I'm talking about when issue three is released. Mm-hmm. But it makes more sense story wise. So that's the thing. Even though it's, uh, some of those sequences I did like, it makes better sense this way story wise. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's part of the creative process, right? Like a lot of stuff yeah. that you might feel attached to early on is stuff that like you get there and you're just like, well, maybe I need to rethink exactly how this you now fits in. And suddenly like they're more, the, the later version of it almost feels better than what you originally were attached to in some ways. So I'm looking forward to seeing like what that climax could be and yeah. stuff. Cause you're right that they, you know, there is something iconic, especially about that cathedral confrontation in 89. You know yeah. that we've they've talked about. I know uh, Andrew and I have talked a lot about like how there's that specific confrontation and stuff just feels like a bigger third act piece than the what happens at the end of Batman Returns. Even though like Returns is literally like the the place is going to get blown up, the entire yeah. city is going to get blown up by Penguin. Yet there's something that feels more iconic. Maybe it's just because it's Batman and Joker about like just two men in an argument at the top of a cathedral, you know, at the end yeah. of the thing. Uh, yeah. So it's just it's just interesting to, to see where it's like it's not really always about the the highest stakes. I mean, you know, you got the Nolan films where literally like the city's going to blow up like, into the third one. Parts of the city do blow up. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like people, yeah. people brought this up when Civil War came out. They said yeah. it's just it's just two dudes duking it out in the third act. Yeah. I mean, they're super dudes, but but that's what makes it. It's just sometimes. two yeah. dudes, though. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a huge uh, world-ending conflict in that particular movie. Of course, you get to Avengers. It's a different. <laughs> that's a different story. But oh, Civil yeah. War in particular is two dudes duking it out in the third yeah. act, and like and that was one of the best 
that's one of the best Marvel movies, really, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah it's, cool, it's cool when they do the opposite that. approach, and the entire universe is at stake. But which, you know, hey, if you can, stuff. yeah, they're doing both. They're they're firing all cylinders, really. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, let's see. So, as we discussed with Sam Ham, Tim Burton was not involved in this script uh, that Ham wrote, and ultimately kind of wanted to go in another direction, which brings in one of our other favorite guests from this year, Daniel Waters. <laughs> who wrote the uh, Batman Returns script. And uh, he had a whole bunch of different things that did not make it into the final film, one of which was Robin. So uh, Waters said in a Fantasone Magazine article that Robin was originally a kid who worked for the Penguin, but then when we asked him about that in, you know, our 2022 interview, you know, about 30 years later, he was just like, what is this guy Waters talking about? So <laughs> did he remember a single thing he said? <laughs> I don't remember. He, he didn't remember a single word. I can't blame these uh, these these interviews yeah. were from like thirty years ago. So I'm like, I I, I, get I can't. It. Maybe I, he like, doesn't want to know. You know, he's just trying what, to keep it away from himself. When some, I throw in these questions, reason. I kind of have to half expect ninety percent of the time they're going to be like, really? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> like, cause I'm just like, this is thirty years ago. Like, I don't. I'm not going to be able to answer stuff that happened thirty years ago. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I I, I totally get it. But uh, it was when I first read about this before I talked to Waters himself about it i was actually really interested in this idea because of the fact that like there's a circus in this movie it's the circus gang that the penguin leads and so i kind of hypothetically came up with the idea of like well what if the graysons were part of that and uh they ended up dying and penguin lied to to you know dick grayson that it was the outside world who did it it was gotham that did that it was the you know the citizens Mm -hmm. who don't accept us that did it and Mm -hmm. so like that's why this kid works for penguin until either through Batman's detective work, uh, Robin himself, he finds out that Penguin actually killed them for some other different reason. And then he's like, all right, I'm teaming up with you. And then he becomes Robin out of that. I thought that would have been, would have been a more organic way to do it yeah. off of the fact that there's always the circus gang. There's already a theme of like the outcasts versus like the regular people of Gotham, especially the rich twits, like, you know, Max Shrek and Chip Shrek and that type of stuff. Uh, all that could have been in there, but instead we get this. So here's what, here's what's in the script is uh, they came up with the idea instead because Waters said that if he did actually have this idea of the kid working for Penguin, Tim Burton would have thrown it out. So that's why he doesn't remember. Uh, but what they settled on was the idea that Penguin, in the sequence where he takes over the Batmobile, Batman gets help from a local mechanic who happens to be known as the kid. And the kid, of course, would have been Marlon Wayans, who would have been 20 around the release of this movie. Still younger than Chris O'Donnell. In Batman yeah. Forever, yeah. Uh, in in this script, the kid helps to repair the Batmobile so that uh, you know Batman can get control of it again, and he does actually get to be behind the wheel of it for a bit, which sort of foreshadows you know Chris O'Donnell behind the wheel in Batman Forever or Drake Winston in the Batman '89 comic series. But um, we did find a storyboard of Batman and the kid fighting off the Red Triangle Circus Gang and the Penguin, but we couldn't find much information on it even from our mm-hmm. uh, you know our guests who were involved with the movie. So I'm not really sure where this comes from but clearly there was some uh you know some stuff that they were playing around with it uh after the sequence the kid would sort of remove the oil smudge on his uniform revealing an r symbol underneath which of course would symbolize robin uh the kid would then have shown up in the finale to help batman against the penguin army and it's kind of implied at one point that he is an orphan because he's spending like christmas by himself before batman's like i need your help uh and stuff and uh at the end Batman asks for his name, and of course the kid says his name is Robin, and then he disappears 
on Batman, which, you know, predates Anne Hathaway doing that to Christian Bale, the whole, so that's what it feels like. Kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, one thing that's interesting to note, though, is that he does not actually say his name is Dick Grayson in the script. He just says, he just tells him his name is Robin. So, uh, which could lead into the fact that he's not named Dick Grayson in the Batman 89 comic, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll get there. Uh, apparently, Possibly under consideration. Oh, yeah. We also have this concept art, too, of uh, this like bat boat thing that also says that Robin would have been part of this somewhere here with manning like the guns to help out. But we don't know. We asked him flattery who worked on this movie as a concept artist, and he had no idea what this thing was. So I don't know. Uh, we still don't know uh, off of this. But uh, Marlon Wayans may have not been the only one considered for it. Uh, this was interesting. Tay Diggs revealed that for a bit they were considering him to be Robin when they wanted Robin to be black. And he said, quote, I know Marlon Wayans was right there. And, you know, this is just what they tell you. But I feel like in my I might have been on that. That would have been great. That would have been awesome. Thing is, Tay Diggs did not really he wasn't really in movies until 98. So this must have been he must have been somewhere else or or something like that. He's for him trying to, to break through. He was trying, trying to break through he, in 92. Was, yeah. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, how how old was he at that point? Um, you know? I don't know. Let me look it up right now. Uh, Tay point, Diggs in ninety-two calculation. Nineteen ninety-two calculating. He would have been nineteen. <laughs> oh yeah, he's not that. He's not that much uh, different in age from Marlon Wayans. Yeah, he's just uh, like a year younger. It took him years before his breakthrough in ninety-eight, I mean, but he could have been trying yeah. for behind the scenes for a long time before that. Yeah, yeah. So like that's that's interesting. Uh, that 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 was there. It all because part of it was just like, well, maybe he was thinking Batman forever as well, but he still wasn't in movies until 98. So I'm like, all right, well, at some point he was considered clearly uh, for this. So that's interesting. But ultimately it was Wayans um, who said, quote, I was actually supposed to play Robin in Batman Returns about 15 years ago, but there's too many characters. I was cast. I was paid and everything. I still get residual checks. So that's interesting. Yeah. There are reports saying that he was paid $100,000 but I haven't found a confirmation from Wayne's himself, but I would love to get $100,000 to not play a role in a movie. Yeah, that uh, sounds awesome. <laughs> Tim Burton didn't wind up doing three, the third movie. Joel Schumacher did it. He had a different vision for who Robin was, so we hired Chris O'Donnell. And then he joked, I know why they did, in terms of they, they went in a different direction. He says, you can't have a Robin have a bigger codpiece than Batman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is so Marlon for to say. That is so him to say that. <laughs> that would be in keeping with uh, Burt Ward. Burt though, Ward though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, all know this. There, the, yeah, the, the cod piece weighs heavy on the, the sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Catholic Union will have to go after that guy. <laughs> I don't think Marlon Wayans is taking those pills. No. no. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Check out our sketch in the Batman Meets Godzilla episode for <laughs> for our use of, of Robin with a bigger codpiece than Batman. <laughs> but, you know Burt Ward brings that shit up every day. Like, dude, we didn't even ask you about this, man. We're just I talking know. about your dogs right now. <laughs> yeah. Tell us more about this, uh, you know, this puppy chow that you have. Like, well, my dick was too big. <laughs> 66. <laughs> Look, man, I, I can't hang out with you anymore, dude. This is, <laughs> this is, this is a little much, man. Oh, man. I just uh, need stories about Adam West. Okay, you just never, just never meet your heroes. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, all they want to do is talk about the 
and talk about the penis. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hell of a thing to be known for, man. (laughs) Oh, shit. Nuns Uh, across the world wanted his dick smaller. (laughs) (laughs) One interesting thing to bring up is that the action figures from Kenner that we went over with, with Zach when he was on with us, uh, did include Robin, including the uh, the Robin that's part of Batman Returns. That some people believe the hairstyle might have originally been for Marlon Wayans in some way, because it's almost like it's they said it's almost kind of like an afro, but it's kind of not at the same time. But whatever the case is, Joe Quinones did actually pay tribute to that with the uh, with including this type of hairstyle on his Drake Winston Robin, including cool. the, the yeah, uh, yeah. sort of the, the hair that curls in front. Uh, type of thing that you might notice uh, in these two and stuff. Uh, it's also due to, you know, around this movie that Burton is considering Robin, that the comics are like, all right, you know what? Robin's dead right now <laughs> in the comics, but maybe we should bring him back, especially if he's going to be in the movie. And uh, why don't we just name him after the director? So that's why Tim Drake is around, because it's from Tim Burton. This was confirmed yeah. by Mark Wolfman uh, himself. Whoa. So that was that was something because to me, I was looking for confirmation on that because that seems like such an Internet thing where there's like he's yeah. named after Tim Burton. I'm just like Tim Burton hates Robin. When would that happen? And then Mark <laughs> Wolfman said it. I'm like, well, I mean, if you literally wrote the, the comic series that introduced Tim Drake, then you would know better than me. So, uh, yeah, it was around this time then that they're like, you know what? We need a redesign for Robin. And I'm, and I'm sure you guys have heard this, too, especially, you know, Ian as an artist yourself. But they're like, let's do a redesign for Robin in the comics. And that's what led uh, Neil Adams to come up with a redesign for Robin that this action figure is replicating that ends up being Tim Drake's outfit, where the main innovative thing that I think Neil Adams says is like, it's time to give him some pants. Let's give this guy some green pants so we don't have to see his pasty white legs and elf boots. He never had pants until late 80s. In, until Tim Drake, because even Jason Todd, when he gets blown up, you still see his bare yeah. legs when Batman yeah. is carrying him out of the rubble. God, it feels like that took forever, huh? I know, right? It's like the, Neil, the late Neil Adams, rest in peace, from this yeah. year, uh, yeah. who redesigns it. And I think, you know, sometimes this gets mixed in step speculation that this was like the design for Marlon Wayans as Robin in the movie. But he's he's not really in a Robin outfit in that script anyway. So I'm like, I think this is pretty yeah. much... DC Comics being like, we got to prepare for Robin. He's going to be in the movie. And then like the movie plans didn't fall through, but the comics were already ahead of the game and had a Robin named after the Batman director and a redesigned suit. So that's how Tim Drake got his suit from Neil Adams, partially thanks to Batman Returns through this. So that's kind of the weird connection that we have uh, through that. So uh, that's kind of the end of the story of Marlon Wayans, but not the end of uh, sort of the legacy that's that's uh, sort of been left behind. So uh, we will go over after the break the uh, the Batman 89 comic as well as more about Batman Enigma from you guys. And so see you after the break. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about retro gaming. It's a lot about Japanese to English translation in this first season. It will be 10 episodes each season. First season will be dropping soon, much sooner than Amono Recon. The co-host for this one will be Mike Torres. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, 
If you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general, Japanese cultural differences as well, and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly, aka EGM, so stay tuned for that. So please be on the lookout for Gaming Gaiden Podcast coming soon. Ellen, in 15 seconds, what is Nice Games Club? It's our game dev podcast. Steven, help! Game mechanics, accessibility, art and animation, level design, prototyping. Everything that goes into making video games. How's that, Mark? Nice. Listen to Nice Games Club wherever you get your podcasts or at nicegames.club. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast where two guys delve into the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, and the impact it's had on pop culture. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, yeah. scientifically possible. Or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's Shh. arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's... read Dune! You have, no, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the HyperX Podcast Network. What's that? majestically cresting the horizon as it makes its way into port. Why, it's the brand new HyperX Armada monitors, mounts, and arms. Both the HyperX Armada 25 and 27 gaming monitors come bundled with a sturdy HyperX Armada mount and arm. If you need every split second of advantage when gaming, the Full HD Armada 25 and its 240Hz refresh rate are for you. If you like to soak in the graphical majesty of your gaming, you'll be eyeing the Quad HD Armada 27 with an 165Hz refresh rate. Set sale for HyperX.com or Amazon.com to start making your display armada. HyperX has refined their lightweight Cloud Stinger headset and now proudly presents the Evolved Cloud Stinger 2. It still keeps the same rotating ear cups, swivel to mute microphone, and comfort, but now adds two years of premium DTS Headphone X activation. Get even better in-game audio and a number of other refinements for the low, low price of $50. Available now at HyperX.com. You guys are still talking about that shit? Welcome back, and we're going to discuss Drake Winston, the Batman 89 Robin uh, that we see here uh, that I've pulled up from Joe Quinones. Uh, a lot of people have <laughs> compared this uh, this design to Scorpion. Uh, and stuff. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> That's, had that this is one of the best Robin designs, though, bro. In uh, my opinion. Oh yeah, I, I didn't know that you uh, you liked it that much, but yeah, it's uh, it's a cool new take on it. So anything they... Mortal Kombat esque, I'm probably gonna <laughs> like it. I'm just tell you right now, dude. <laughs> Mortal Kombat's in my DNA. <laughs> So <laughs> I had a friend other, I had a friend the other day that was like, um, yeah, when I saw that female Goro in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the movie, and I was like, I think you mean Shiva, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Get it right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's keep going. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, the Batman 89 comic was released last year and ended this year. And they decided, you know what? We are not only going to do the Billy D. Williams Two-Face, which is what we covered you know, a couple of weeks ago with John Hefner, but we are going to also bring you the Marlon Wayans Robin on this and bring in some of the ideas that we didn't get to see. And so, as we talked about before, the whole idea of Robin already being on the streets, being a vigilante is brought over into this. And the idea of him being a garage mechanic 
is brought up into this with sort of his garage mechanic jumpsuit uh, being the base for his original costume that you can see here. Uh, the R is explained to be standing for Royal Auto Mechanics. Like that, that's basically the garage that he works for. Um, however, at some point in the comic, he is accused of falsely accused by the uh, the Batman copycats of robbing the store. Uh, and as he's beating up the guy who's trying to accuse him, the guy can only get out the words "he's Robin." And so the kids around the area, re you know, misinterpret that the name of this guy who's been protecting their neighborhood is Robin. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, Drake Winston is the name they went with. They did not go with Dick Grayson on this, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I believe at one point it was even considered that his name would be Richard Drake, uh, mm -hmm. as seen in, in some of the uh, early sketches and stuff, probably to combine, you know, Richard Grayson and Tim Drake. Um, but I, I thought it was really interesting that they went with a completely different name uh, on this. And out of the names that they drew from, they drew from Tim Drake rather than Dick Grayson. Um, probably because of that sort of the tie that Tim Drake kind of has to the Batman Returns plans anyway. Um, and of course, he also has, as we could see, the bow staff uh, yeah. that, you know, Tim Drake is most famous for having uh, for that. So that's kind of part of it. And Conanus has sort of a subtle callback to the cover of Detective Comics 38, where like Robin jumped out of a drum type of thing. And so that's kind of yeah. what this bat signal is in the okay. back here. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so it's it's I a reason put that together. Version of that. I honestly didn't until Quinone said that on Twitter. I'm like, man, how did I not see that? But yeah. Oh, well. it's cool. So that's yeah, pretty Scorpion cool. Robin, dude. This is the greatest tip this episode so far. Uh, and then of course, in the in in the context of the comic, when Drake teams up with Bruce Wayne. Uh, Bruce upgrades his armor, and so we can kind of see that instead of the mechanic uniform underneath, it's now a little bit more of the traditional Robin outfit. He's got sort of the red vest type of thing, but with like the the designed ab armor from Batman Returns, yeah, the Bob Ringwood style type of thing. So uh, that's what we got here. And then as we've uh, as we've seen as well, the cape is still sort of frayed uh, mm -hmm. with yellow on the inside, blackish greenish on the outside, kind of like the Neil Adams redesign uh, and stuff. So uh, you know, they're very much leaning into some of the ideas that didn't make it in. Some of the Kenner stuff is in there as well. Uh, you have some scenes where like Drake and Bruce have a fight scene um, and Alfred comes in. That's right out of the original Sam Ham 86 scripts. You guys can check out the, the video essays that have gone on on the different Easter eggs for that. But this is an interesting take. And so I, I'm guessing you guys have, have also read these issues uh, for that. How, what were your opinions on sort of the Sam Ham take on Drake Winston? Well, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that actually read those six issues. Eric, I think stayed away from completely just to say, okay, I don't want to, you know, be influenced. Be influenced so. Yeah. I, yeah. I was wondering I about that too. Yeah. So what I did is I, I followed Keonis on Twitter and I, I mm -hmm. look at his art. I mean, I love his art. It's amazing yeah. art, but I have, I have not read any of the books and just trying to not, you know, I don't want to do what they're doing and mm -hmm. I don't want to be influenced by it. And Ian has read it. So he would tell me like, Hey, that great idea you had that they're already doing that. I'm like, okay, well, we'll just not do that. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's a good but, dynamic. One person reads it, the other person deliberately stays away. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think what Sam and Joe did for those six issues was, you know, phenomenal. You know, um, it's definitely their own take, which I totally respect. There's some things I 
probably wouldn't do. I, Eric and I wouldn't do, but again, they did it. And uh, I have to tell you, it's a great story. It's a, yeah. it's a fantastic two face as, as we've gone over. And I've really, I have found the Robin character intriguing as well, simply because of, again, like just, it seems like this Batman sequel has always had the DNA of a Robin who isn't the traditional circus acrobat take uh, and stuff. So to do the street vigilante thing is, is really cool. And it's yeah. cool to see that in here. And it's cool to see, you know, your guys' Nightwing take as well, especially with the, especially with the backstory uh, that uh, Eric's described and yeah. stuff. So uh, again, it's one that I like better than the comic with the Kryptonian <laughs> tie-in, just because <laughs> yeah, that's just, yeah. it seems like kind of a weird connection yes. uh, for that. I'll say, I'll say this though, you know, like, um, for, you know, like Sam Ham, like I first learned of his name in a comic scene from like, mm-hmm probably not too long after the batman movie came out they did a comic scene interview with sam ham mm-hmm. and he talked in, and i was fascinated because he talked in that um article about like things that didn't make it into the movie and like he talked about in that article like at the end of the movie everybody knows who batman is like bruce <laughs> and you know, and then he also talked about the watchman script and all that mm-hmm. stuff was really fascinating to me um so you know i, I hold him in high esteem obviously and uh for him to come back and do i know he did some comics for dc uh for like i think batman anniversary and yeah um and like Black you talked Justice. to him in the interview mm-hmm. in the interview with him and everything and he you could tell he's a you know like he's you know huge batman 66 fan and a big bat you know batman comics fan and you know and he was excited to do dc comics you know this is years back and then to come back and get to finish something he didn't get to do with the movies uh i think that's amazing and that's like the the time that we live in you know as fans and all the things that we get treated to it's an amazing time to be fans and you know we started batman enigma our first issue dropped before they even announced they were going to do a batman 89 yeah ian thinks it's because we did ours that they got to go ahead (laughs) i i don't i can't i can neither (laughs) confirm nor deny that it's just very interesting that they actually announced this but yeah, uh, I, I was completely shocked. I think they know we exist, which is fine. Um, yeah. but <laughs> also, timeline-wise, wasn't it also before they said Keaton was coming back for Flash? It was. We yes, did. Was. We, so okay, that so was, you started the resurgence. <laughs> we, we, were just, we were just on the crest of the wave. You know, We had no idea this was all building up and what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're just so fortunate to be part of that resurgence. And it, you know, like everybody's learning, we still care about Keaton as Batman. You know, yeah, people are very, you know, very excited to see Keaton return, whichever way. I guess it's going to be in the Flash movie because the other movie, um, yeah. something happened to it. Um, so <laughs> we'll see. But we're going to get Keaton again, and we got uh, so now we got all these comics with Keaton back as Batman. We're going to have him back in the movies, and so it's a great time to be a, a Batman fan. Um, yeah, so after you know we're all done here with our comic, I'll go back and read those six issues and. Uh, give you my report, but uh, I, sure. I, I love I love Keonis's, um artwork, and I know he's dropped so many Easter eggs, and you could, you know, you could tell that he's really done his research as well, and yeah. just trying to bring. I mean, like you were talking about, like the elements from the toys. You know, I know mm-hmm. he brought back like um, the Bruce Wayne changes into Batman outfit, yeah, um, action figure. Yeah, yeah quick change. Up. You know, I have that one, which I, I like. <laughs> I, I I geeked out when I saw the. I wanted to do that. 
and they actually beat us to being able to do that but um, oh, man. Uh, uh, you I, can I, still do it it's not like that's an uh, <laughs> it's from kenner <laughs> uh, i know but everybody's gonna be like you guys are trying to be like them but uh i respect that you wanted to be as different as possible yeah i mean just to the extent that like if i have an idea i will go and research and make sure it hasn't been done um mm, so like sure. with scarecrow the ideas i have for scarecrow i wanted to make sure we weren't stepping on something that wasn't already done and like long halloween or something like that and, mm -hmm. and same with the riddler i mean like you know, there's like part of you like you want to be true to the character or you know but at the same time you don't want to just tread in the same steps that have already been taken you want to give I me mean, like you're doing a fan comic so you want to give people a reason to read it and part of mm -hmm. that is they're going to see something they're not going to see somewhere else so for sure like, yeah you know so like the nightwing they're not going to see that somewhere else you know mm -hmm. um our, our version of the riddler and the scarecrow they're not going to see um so yeah, that's the idea. I was Did really you want to do Riddler because of uh, the Batman, or well, that, that was before that inspire well, you, or well, no? That was that was way before, um, because I actually wrote the story treatment years ago. Oh, okay. Before I even met Eric and worked okay. on Batman meets uh, Godzilla with him, so I did a little research after watching one of the documentaries, you know, about the making of Batman Returns and talking about mm -hmm. Tim Burton's ideas and excitement for a potential third installment and then the studio did what they did and Joel mm -hmm. was hired on. So I was like, well, what did, what would that Tim's third film look like? So I did very, some research on some of those ideas that he had. And some of those ideas were used for Batman forever. Riddler was going to be the main villain. But I was like, well, okay, let's just take this for example. Who would actually be perfect for a Tim Burton Riddler? in this Batman three movie, mm -hmm. Robert Williams right away was uh, the number one choice. Yeah. He's kind of the number one fan cast for, you know, what if Burton did the Riddler type of thing? Yeah. So I started writing out the treatment and then I let it, you know, I put it on a shelf, like I like dust for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Then when I hear the 89 mini series was, you know, rejected by DC, it was pretty much, I had like a, Age of Ultron Thanos moment, you know? Fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I started working more on the story details, and then eventually I um, put that back on the shelf to work on my own comic book series, Codename Hunter, for Triple Threat Comics. And then I hooked up with Eric, and we did Batman's Godzilla with these other mm -hmm. talented creators. And then Eric tells talks to me when he says, I think about doing more Batman stories. You want to do some with me? I said, sure. I like working mm -hmm. with Eric. We got along great. We still get along great. We're still speaking. <laughs> so, it's always a good sign. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually sent me, I think this is maybe the first or second draft, I'm not sure, of Sam Ham's Batman 2 script. Mm -hmm. So I actually read that over the weekend. And I think that the next Monday morning, he's like, well, what'd you think? I said, well, it's a great script. You know, it's a dynamite script. Sam's a talented writer. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, but here's what I've been thinking. So I've been telling him, so I told him a very brief, you know, description of what I thought should be a Batman 3 story. I even mm -hmm. had a tile right there, which is Batman Enigma. Enigma. Mm -hmm. He heard it, he said, send me the story notes. So I sent the story notes, and uh, five minutes later, he's like, let's do it. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. So developing the first issue script was, you know, you know, 
it did have its challenges, you know, because you're trying to connect all the dots, all the threads that were left behind in the second film. Mm-hmm. You know, Batman's kind of wanted, you know, you deal with that aftermath of that. He's sort of in self-exile. What happened with Catwoman? That was another mm-hmm. thing we wanted to revisit because we like that character. We wanted to see more of her. Mm-hmm. So that started to develop, and then we seriously talked about how to develop uh, Riddler and uh, definitely Scarecrow because I already had specific ideas about uh, them, how to approach them. But Eric, he he went be above above and beyond because he went the uh, extra distance, saying. Okay, let's make it a bit more extreme like this, especially with Robin Williams, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because he channeled Robin in the most purest way. Like one hour photo type of creepy shit uh, uh, along, <laughs> along, along with uh, no, the wildness. Uh, no, I mean, like, I mean, we're all big Robin Williams fans. I, I know. Yeah. Um, and we mm-hmm. all miss Robin um, from. Um, so like for me, like trying to capture that voice uh, is, is a challenge, especially with the Riddler. I mean, Riddler is one of the hardest characters, villains to write because you got to come up with riddles. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, trying to break those in and then try to give them like Robin's voice. Right. And so mm-hmm. like there's like an issue one, you know, like Bruce and Enigma have this confrontation and Enigma says like, riddle me this when is a billionaire like a boar or like a like an what did i say it was like a you want me to uh, pull the thing up because i could yeah, have to, but, oh, yeah that is like, <laughs> like when, uh when is a when is a billionaire like a swine or when's a millionaire like a swine and like when he's being a boar you know and, that was it that was it right there uh, and, <laughs> it, and then like uh bruce is like i well i'd rather be a pig than a jackass and then like <laughs> then enigma's like whoa nelly do you kiss your butler with that mouth <laughs> you know just it's just trying to you can, you can hear the robin williams dna yeah. in that tape yeah yeah trying to give I, it that voice yeah i was interested too in the fact that based off of your description uh of riddler as well as like the backstory that we know of it it's almost like uh and this is obviously before the batman came out but it's almost like you guys had the opposite approach of what the Paul Dano one would come from because of the fact that the Paul Dano one that we saw in the movie was like, he's an orphan. He hates the rich. He hates the elite. He hates anybody who has any sort of power. Yeah. Whereas the, the version that you've been playing around with before, you know, that was even public. Uh, the Paul Dano one was an opposite number where it's like, well, he is part of the elite. He's part of the founding families. He is like in the same social circles as Bruce Wayne, that type of thing. And just kind of goes to show how like, certain elements of the character can have like different backstories to it and still work in some weird sort of way and stuff. But I was kind of curious to hear your thoughts on uh, the Paul Dano Riddler, considering just how different his backstory is almost the complete opposite of, of what you guys came up with. Yeah. And I, and I have to give credit like to the, my version has a little bit of, um, you know, origins. Like there was a, a script where the Enigma, you know, where Enigma went to boarding school with Bruce. Um, and you know, I heard that in like one of your podcasts. Um, and that stuck with me. Like, yeah, that's a good idea in terms of like, they have this shared history and then you have like, you know, they're, they have the same background, but they have a different lens on, you know, how they want to use their power. You know, mm-hmm. one wants to use it to protect the city. The other wants to use it to take over the city. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was, and then like you have the, so then you have the contrast between Enigma and the Scarecrow where, you know, Enigma is, his, his focus is on power for power's sake for himself and Scarecrow is more of an anarchist and wants power um, to be more democratic or, you know, or at least to take it take it away from the powerful. So, you know, they ha- there's a contrast between them. We haven't really seen it as play out so much yet in the first two issues, but then in the third issue, we definitely see they have, uh, you know, they have a different motivations for what they're doing and why they're together. Mm-hmm. And then there's the question like, well, will this work? And they, you know, they both want something different. How's that going to, you know, play out? Um, you know, just like anytime you have two villains, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, that kind of should happen at some point, you know, that they have a different opinion. Yeah, they're like, hey, you know, we'll just jointly share power and everything will be happy. You know, it just doesn't work that way. And so when I try to do in contrasting them, I try to think of like um, Enigma is like Donald Trump and Scarecrow (laughs) is like Bernie Sanders and just the extreme. (laughs) You put those two together. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's but like, you know, you know, it's but like the extreme versions of them and like mm. not political or try to say this is right or this is wrong. But just to say as the personalities, you know, mm. and kind of where their perspective comes from, you know, and just and how both of them you know, can just have, you know, these evil plans, you know, so it's mm. kind of uh, just trying to give them like completely divergent personalities, but also be self-interested in trying to take power mm-hmm. yeah for sure and i'm looking forward to see like more of that dynamic since i from what i recall that's kind of revealed at the end of this last issue that they're kind of the, uh you know league of each other along with the bat boys i'm curious to see yeah so we have a lot of yeah we have a lot of ground to cover in issue three you know not gotcha. um, just to 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 get nightwing's origin in to kind of get what's going on catch up with enigma and scarecrow what's what's going on with them what's their plans and then to have the the grand finale and how does all of this um play out and then you know like you know the we had to leave room also for what happens with harvey dent you know what mm, yeah <laughs> and so like so there's all these different things that we you know like you have a top 10 list of things you want to try to cover and and to wrap it up you know we could have easily gone for issues and if we had, I definitely would have expanded on some things that, um, you know, like more Knox. I like the character Knox. I think he's great in issue two mm-hmm. and that dynamic he has with uh, Bruce and um, and that back and forth. I wanted to bring Knox back in. And some of those ideas like that didn't make it into earlier movies like uh, Knox and the, the back signal. Um, yeah, Knox knowing that, it's, that Bruce is Batman. Yeah, and and so he finds out in issue two that he is Batman, mm-hmm. and and so like could he have been more in the third issue as some you know help? So like in the back of my head, I'm always like, you know, is there somewhere we can put him in? You know, mm-hmm. so but he, you know he doesn't really make it into issue three, but maybe just um, there's a mention. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, hey, look, there's there's been a few people in our comments bringing up like, hey, like I wish that they followed up on you know, returns with this, or I wish 
the, you know, I think I was talking to a few fans about, I wish they brought in Alexander Knox into, you know, the Sam Hamm Batman 89 thing. I wish that they followed up on the fact that, you know, Batman was framed for murder that he, we didn't really see him get cleared of it at the end of Batman yeah. Returns. And I'm just like, all right, well, if you want to see a follow up in that vein, check out Enigma. Cause that's, yes. that's where that's Thank covered. You. But, uh, you know, I think it, it's kind of like, it's kind of up to you where you can either determine that, uh, at some point, his name was cleared, and then you know the Batman '89 comic series happened, or his name was not cleared. There's a different reason why the bat signal is up at the end of the Batman Returns, and then you know Enigma happens, or you know whatever. It's it's playing around with different continuations of ideas that were left over that we've kind of had a lot of you know we've had over 30 years fermenting on how to follow up on that. So I can see how like there's going to be different diverges in in where to go on that from different people because of just how long it's been you know gestating for so long. Yeah. So. Yeah, we benefit. We benefit from having thirty years to think about this for sure. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Are you guys full time comic creators? Forgive my ignorance. Uh, well, uh, I'm actually I actually am a full time comic creator, and I do actually have my own series. It's actually called uh, Codename Hunter, and that's uh, self published by a company that I co founded with another Eric Eric Hernandez called mm. Triple Threat Comics. Cool. Yeah, it's a sci-fi spy thriller. Pretty much think of it as a James Bond meets Star Trek. Okay, that's nice. cool. Yeah, yeah I, I would say that it's very like um, like Stranko-ish, like Jim Stranko. Like if you remember the old uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Com yeah, uh, comics Fury. from, yeah, mm -hmm. Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like from the 60s when Jim Stranko was doing it. It reminds me a lot of that. Nice. Yeah, I even have a mm -hmm. few covers uh, to show you guys if you would like. Sure. And, yeah. Uh, and, show it to us, and then and then real quick, I know that uh, he wasn't able to make it, but you also have a third member of, of your team who you were yes. interested in joining us, but scheduling just didn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah. Wait, Paul and Ryan Eric, and Eric, you're not in the comics game per se, no. in, no, a, in a professional really. capacity. No, okay. I'm not professional at all. Although I am working on my own uh, comic. Um, after I wrap up all the Batman stuff I'm doing, um, yeah. it's going to be called, it's called Tracer. Okay. And it's like um, Blade meets Blade Runner. So it's dystopic mm. sci-fi and kind of takes place in a world that's been eradicated by plagues. And, okay. and we follow a rookie tracer whose job is to basically um, go after people that are infected and try to keep the population safe. And so there's a system propped up that yeah, he finds out that maybe things are not the way they sit the they say they are. And so he ends up in a situation where he's gotta make choices about whether he fights the system um or okay. you know, he upholds the system. And so yes. I I yeah. set some artwork for that too, if you guys had that um it'd be good to show too. Sure, cool. sure. This yeah, is a dream of uh, dream sure of yours not. to become a full time comics writer or you're, you're not happy at all with it being on the side. It's, it's okay. just something fun for me to do on the side. You know, I love okay. working with creative, creative people. Um, so in addition to like writing the comics, you know, I, I, and working, you know, I've worked with a dozen or more artists just with the Batman stuff. Um, I really enjoy that. And I also help people with their stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm chatting with people almost every day on their own stuff and just, you know, they've run stuff by me, like I'm Jiminy Cricket or something, and, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to weigh in with like, dialogue or plot ideas and stuff like that so um you know I'm, 
I'm hoping to kind of do a few things on my own, but it, it, it will never be like a full-time thing for me. Just something fun. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's sure. cool. Just wanted to know. Nice. Uh, and then, yeah, could you guys talk a little bit about um, the other member of your team who wasn't able to make it today? Yeah. Good old uh, Paul Brian McCoy or PBM as I like to call him. He is a, um, yeah. He, so he's jumped in and helped with a lot of the scripting duties. So we're, uh, Ian's doing the art. I'm doing a lot of the the story and mm -hmm. dialogue, and then somebody comes in, and as Paul comes in and puts it into page and panel format, and so Paul jumped in with us on issue two um, because uh, Ian got tired of waiting on me to deliver a script. <laughs> you know, I, I, I scripted issue one, and then issue two, just a lot of things going on. So I, I had all the story elements and everything just couldn't get around to getting that script out. And so Paul jumped mm. in and helped us on that. And then on the third one, um, he was there from the beginning in terms of like pitching ideas and um, helping us figure out some problems. And then, you know, I did, you know, my usual, here's my dialogue, here's, here's my plot points. And then um, Paul did the final script. And what's interesting is, um, and, and I have some ideas here. So, in terms of the ending, we basically had three ideas. So Ian had his own idea. I had mm -hmm. my own idea and Paul had his own idea. I mean, it, the story ends the way the story ends, but some of the, yeah. the, the dialogue and how the dialogue would have been different if Ian had his choice or I had my choice. And, and so I'm thinking about like, because I'm the letterer also, so I, I get the final say. Um, <laughs> so, and as I'm lettering these pages, I, I, I do change things, you know, like just the way that Ian may depict something. I'm like, oh, you know, we need a, a sound effects here, or maybe we need some dialogue here, you know, or there's something, mm -hmm. you know, so I'll drop stuff in just while I'm lettering that may not be in the script. Um, but I was like, maybe it'd be kind of fun to show that like the, the three different versions of our dialogue at the end of the comic, just to, oh just yeah. to see you know hey you know just to here's how ian would go and here's how i would go how paul would go and they're they're very three different three different takes on just that really the the relationship between bruce and and selena and just how that ends and like what we would say it, if it was up to us i'm i'm thinking that, i'm toying with having like that three different endings um mm -hmm. just to give the fans huh yeah i'm interested to see that when that comes out. So yeah, no, that's awesome. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a just a little sneak peek. Ian's is very romantic. Mm, okay. Okay. Very, very, very mushy. He's a mushy kind of guy. <laughs> He's a romantic. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I could tell whenever I saw his nightwing, but <laughs> the love poured into that. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so Ian, you wanted to show us some uh, preview stuff of what's about to come with this issue. Yeah, uh, I actually have the first uh, six pages. Uh, it's gonna be it's unlettered right now because again, we want to keep some things, you know. Of course, yeah. All right, guys. So guide us through what we have here. We have some preview pages, uh, exclusive. I think uh, this is a superhero stuff you should know. Exclusive of uh, what we're seeing here, which is a preview of Batman Enigma issue three, the final issue. So, uh, what are we looking at here? Well, what we're looking at here is Riddler <laughs> and Scarecrow just looking over a model in Gotham City, mm -hmm. briefly talking about the plans for the city, 
in the background, we see Nightwing coming down from the rafters mm -hmm. to sort of confront them. In the background, the Bat Boys are just, just talking to each other. Mm -hmm. On page two, we actually see Riddler and Scarecrow notice Nightwing. Scarecrow hits him with his fairy toxin, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden, we start to seeing a nightmarish flashback. Mm, yeah. I can see the Air Force cool. thing and the, the Nightwing logo, too. Yeah. On this. It's All awesome. Right, nice. Uh, cool. The next couple pages we have here. Nightwing is coming out, of, sort of trying to force himself, force himself out of his uh, state, notices the bad boys surrounding him, decides it's time to leave, leaves to the window. Mm -hmm. But he's still still suffering from the fear tax and thinks he's seeing a large bat in the sky. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's not the bat, it's the bat copter. Mm. <laughs> nice. So you gave that's Keaton cool. a bat copter. Yes. Yeah, that's a great looking bat copter, too. It is, yeah. And then, um, I mean, too, also the, the Nightwing costume looks great here, too. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that's it's cool. awesome, man. The copter looks like that could have been, a, you know, a Keaton Kenner thing as well. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a Kenner, it's definitely a Kenner design. It looks great here, though. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, then we have uh, Batman talking to Nightwing. Nightwing telling his uh, origin story pretty much, and how is he confront? He actually had his first confrontation with Batman, mm -hmm. and they exchanged some words. And at some point, uh, Batman's like, "Okay, come with me," mm -hmm. and they go ah. up into the Batcopter. Nice, and that partnership is established. Yep. <laughs> cool. Nice. Uh, all right, since we're here, we might as well promote some of your other stuff. So, uh, Ian, this is uh, your stuff with Codename Hunter. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, the series that I've been working on on Triple Threat Comics, a company that I co-own with Eric Hernandez. And this series is, pretty, is a sci-fi spy thriller series. It's pretty much, you know, about one secret agent, you know, whose job is to protect not just earth but also the entire galaxy is going up against enemies both domestic and intergalactic nice cool and we have a little bit more yeah another issue three over here yeah and then uh of course your collaboration with batman meets godzilla yeah yeah so that's before. the cover for issue three and mm -hmm. so um so i should mention that both Batman meets Godzilla and Enigma, Batman Enigma 3 will both be dropping here in probably the next month. So it's going to be this fall for sure. The, Sweet. For Batman meets Godzilla, we just have three pages that are being colored right now that are kind of the final pieces and, and we're lettering right now. So kind of we've had some delays for those who have been following us uh, past couple of years. Uh, you know, we had COVID hit and coming out of COVID, you know, our artists got behind on their, they got slammed with work, you know, like sure. got a lot mm. of work coming out of COVID. And so we have mm. professional artists that, you know, are involved with Batman meets Godzilla, you know, they're, <laughs> they're working for studios and all that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, the Batman meets Godzilla, if you haven't checked it out, uh, I, you know, I biased here, but like, I, I swear you will see some of the best Adam West Batman art <laughs> that's out there is in, is in our cool. comic. And, and and Godzilla too. If you're a fan of uh, that mid '60s Godzilla, um, you'll love it. Um, the artwork is great. We got more action. I think you guys might have a, a couple, of, maybe a shot or two from the new issue. Um, 
Uh, that I think I think you sent it. Well, I, I oh, think there you we sent it to us privately. But this is this, this one is, on the left is the preview. Yeah, right? the one on the left. So, <clears throat> um, so here you're gonna. I mean, there's kind of a couple of things here. So one, when I was um, writing Batman meets Godzilla three, I went back and read the the Marvel Godzilla series from the seventies. Mm. And what I noticed was like, you know, you got when you got big monsters fighting, the panels get big. We get like we mm. go from <laughs> a bunch of little panels to like these, you know, four monster sized panels. That's like interesting. Four, like uh. We get four panels, you know, so so you can see all the action. And so when I wrote Batman, so, yeah, the yeah, the Godzilla three, I, I broke those panels out bigger to make that action um, bigger. And so if if you've been following us for the first two issues. Um, come back for the third. You're going to see um, we're going to have monster fighting monsters in this last one and all kinds of other great stuff. And we wrap up mm -hmm. um, the story in a very satisfying way. I'm very proud of it. I would awesome. love for this to be picked up or you guys to really inspire DC to make this actual <laughs> run. Batman versus so, Godzilla. Yeah. yeah, it's so cool, man. It's a it's a great well, idea. Well, sure. I, yeah, so, yeah, I'm fortunate again, like to get on something like nobody had done and just to get in there and do it. And, you know, like we're the top hit on Google for Batman meets Godzilla. So for those who don't remember, or don't know, it was a unmade film from the 60s. There was a story treatment for it. It's one of those great what could have been moments. And mm -hmm. so. Um, so we, as fans, came together to do it. And then um, the other image here is from Tracer. It's my original comic that I'm working on. And so, as I said before, it's a you know, dystopian sci-fi that is, you know, like Blade Runner meets Blade. So there's sci-fi and horror elements to it. And Sick. so, yeah, Great. so it's all in development. The cover here is by um, my good friend Kerouac, who also did the cover for Batman uh, meets Godzilla mm -hmm. 3. Um, and so, so I'm still developing it as a concept and everything, but you know, that's going to be my next focus once I'm done with the Batman comic. It's like a vampire hunter in a Blade Runner world. Yeah, there's a there's horror elements in it, and so like there's i think there's going to be vampires i think there's going to be werewolves i think there's going to be zombies i think there may even be mm -hmm. mummies i mean like yeah the idea is like we have these like never-ending pandemics and the effects that it has on the population um expresses itself in different ways at the same time we have technology like biohacking and things like that that uh causes uh deviance in the um, population as well so it's Jeez. all <laughs> it's very relevant <laughs> yeah yeah and, and i obviously it's inspired by the recent pandemic um, mm -hmm. and just like think just that name that tracer just stuck in my head as just a great name mm -hmm. and just a lot of possibilities there so that's, that's going to cool. be my next focus nice yeah nice. Uh, this is this is uh awesome because of the fact that you know online we see so many uh, like the internet especially twitter but just everywhere is like just a cesspool of complaints and whining and bitching and moaning and stuff about like oh they're doing this direction they're doing that and what i think is really cool about you guys is that you guys aren't wasting your energy on that you're creating stuff you're like all right let's do a Batman comic where he meets Godzilla because it's fucking cool. Let's do our own <laughs> burn verse type stuff. So like for the people, there's, you know, people in our comment section who weren't huge fans of what 
Sam Hamm and Joe Quinone did with the comic series and and I've read through their critiques and and you know some of it's fair and and but the ones who are like hardcore hardcore again it's against them just like you know what not only just check out Enigma but also like why don't you take a crack at your own take a crack at your absolutely own. It's been 30 years yeah. since this thing so like there could be all sorts of different directions we've mainly seen you know the Robin story Billy D Williams Two Face you guys are doing uh, you know Riddler and Scarecrow but like what about other characters you know like what about other things in the Burton world I'd love to see other fans sort of tackle ones that people haven't really talked about before Two-Face mm-hmm. and Robin and, and the Return to Catwoman are probably you know that's the most obvious but like what about some of these other characters wasn't it's Man Bat thrown around at one point at that time uh, yeah Man Bat with uh, the the Dark Knight script that we talked about yeah. not necessarily with, with with Burton attached but again that could have been really interesting like that's that's when we went over that script, that was one where we were just like, you know, if they wanted to get Burton back, we could see this one getting Burton back. Yeah, that yeah. Was just a horror movie with Batman. You see, the starring. man bat is a loner. <laughs> and I like loners. Did I tell you I tell you I like loners? <laughs> Superman is gonna be a loner. <laughs> uh, I love the character of Man Bat, and I try to fit him into Batman meets Godzilla. And oh wow, yeah. Yeah, because That'd actually be Toho Toho had their own Man Bat character it wasn't called Man Bat, but it looks just oh, like Man Batra. Bat. Batra. That's such okay. a good idea. So, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, man, I want to work him yeah. in. And it yeah. just, I just couldn't work him in. But what I did, if you look at the, the image there, that that Batsugan evolved from like, yeah. Man Bat. And mm-hmm. my idea my idea for Man Bat was like it's you know, like I gotta have something big for Godzilla to fight. So I made Man Bat into a giant bat monster. That's awesome, man. Sick, man. That's sick. There's some uh, No Man's Land elements, like Gotham is getting fucked up while these monsters fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I imagine, the, I imagine the city gets pretty you fucked could, up, too. Yeah. yeah, you could kind of weave a little bit of that in there. Mm-hmm. Godzilla's so, yeah. a natural awesome. disaster, man. He is, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck this earthquake. Godzilla yeah. stormed through Gotham. Dude, if Godzilla takes one step... <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sick, dude. And then yeah. Batman's gonna figure out his detective skills. How the fuck this exists? <laughs> this goes against everything this that I know. This goes against science. Yeah. Uh, oh. All right. I also would be remiss not to mention uh, another project that Ian was a part of through uh, Newverse Creative. That's N E U V E R S E Creative. Uh, we've talked about them earlier before. They. Uh, we sort of coordinated with them a dual release where they did an audio drama of the Tim Burton, Julie Hickson, Batman uh, 1985 treatment. And we did our deep dive uh, on it. They're more kid friendly than us, but uh, <laughs> you know, um, they, they dramatize it. We, we comment about it and make dick jokes about it, but they, they actually dramatize it uh, and stuff with, with, act, with actors. And um, uh, Ian, you were part of a special presentation where it was an adaptation of Batman 89. So I thought I'd give you the floor to talk a little bit about how that came together because that's pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, I actually contacted uh, Newverse about a year ago mm-hmm. to talk about potentially doing audio adaptations of Batman Meets Godzilla and Batman Enigma. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the creator of Newverse, Tim Maxwell, very nice guy. I uh, was very enthusiastic about it. Um, nothing came from that talk until like a year earlier this year where I brought it up again, and he was still committed to do it. At the time, he was doing other projects. So um, he said, he actually asked me, would you like to write a Batman 89 audio drama with me? Mm-hmm. But 
That's I an said, offer you can't refuse. Yeah, I said yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then, then we then we said, then he said to me, "Well, uh, work on Batman's Godzilla and Batman Enigma, you know, as the year goes on." Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is something I want you to do, and this was the first audio drama I ever wrote, and I was extremely honored. I mean, who wouldn't want to work on a Batman eighty nine audio drama? I mean, come on. Of course, yeah, yeah, it came out great. And then not only did they do this, but then they made a version of this that was in the Reeves Batman style, right? They they did a couple. So uh, what what's cool is that uh, I, I'm I'm sure the first iteration was just the traditional. All right, it's Batman eighty nine. You have impersonators. You have great impersonators of Keaton and Nicholson yeah. doing yeah. this stuff. But then. This is, and, and I don't know how much to talk to you about this beforehand, Ian, but they decided let's do some what if. So then they did the same script for Batman 89, except it's an actor impersonating Christian Bale's Batman, another actor doing Heath Ledger's. And it's what if it was Batman 89's story in the world of the Nolan verse. And then they okay. also recently did it with the Snyder verse with a Ben Affleck Batman, which is basically the, the voice changer, Batman voice, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Jared Leto Joker uh, and stuff. So it, there's, it's really cool because of the fact that like there's certain images that you just never thought to put together that yeah. you envision when this comes up. Like the guy who does the Joker voice does the, you know, the, the ha, 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 as you know, I thought my jokes were bad laugh yeah. in the sequence where Joker is about to kill the guy with the pen and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's creepy as fuck. Just imagine <laughs> Ledger going up to the guy to kill the thing. Because it, it fits, it's a similar type of you know kill with the pen. It was just it's different rating, way picture though. Ledger, Ledger. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, did they talk to you about like, hey, we're also going to do it? Uh, you know, at least two or three more times. Uh, they did uh, briefly talk to me about doing the Christopher Nolan, uh, Christian Bale uh, Batman mm-hmm. version. They did tell me about that, so I knew that was coming, and. I was just excited, you know, just to hear, you know, a different version of this particular story. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that uh, Reeves was coming up, but I sort of suspected it, you know. Yeah. On the side one, I sort of suspected it, but I was like, I was still excited anyway because I'm a, I'm a fan of theirs. But yeah, it, yeah. it was just fantastic. Definitely check great. those out. Yeah. It's a great time to be a fan. I mean, it's just amazing For amount sure. of content coming out. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do, especially when they do adaptations of, like, I, I can see what they're going to do. They're going to adapt every one of the Batman movies and then do all the what ifs. They're just like, all right, you know, what if it's like, the yeah. Batman, but with Keaton, you know, and, yeah. and the DeVito Penguin, which I'm really looking forward to. Because, like, when I envision that movie with the Burton visuals, I'm just like, that's amazing. That would have looked amazing. Yeah. Not that I don't like the visuals in that movie, but still, like if you add in, like it's DeVito behind the wheel versus the Burton verse Batmobile <laughs> chasing after him through the fire, just like, oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, check that out, Newverse Creative and stuff. And of course, check out uh, the the comic that we've mainly been talking about, which is Batman Enigma, twitter.com slash Enigma Batman. Is there anywhere else uh, that they should check out in terms of uh, Batman Enigma? So that's that's where to go for Enigma Batman. Uh, Batman mm-hmm. meets Godzilla is still www.batmanmeetsgodzilla.com. And then um, check out our, our partner, uh, Paul Brian McCoy at PB McCoy on Twitter. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You can also cool. find um, my comic, uh, Codename Hunter, on indieplant.com. It has issues one and two. Issue three is actually coming out this December. 
So that's something to look out for. Sweet. Cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, I see that here. Yeah, IndiePlanet.com. We will include the links to a lot of these in our uh, our show notes and stuff, which you guys can check out at SuperheroStuffPod.com <laughs> slash show notes, uh, just to put in that plug, because we yeah. spend a lot of time just adding additional links or like if there's if there's episodes we heavily reference like obviously the batman meets godzilla one we just put that in there too so that if you're just like oh yeah like instead of going through all the, all the backlog you can just look at the show notes and be like all right let me check out this other episode that you might not have seen uh before off of youtube so uh before we completely wrap i wanted to share one last thing which is from marlon wayans himself on this oh. he he posted on his instagram uh, about the Joe Quinones Robin saying, quote, I have one day to make Nightwing. He did not say Robin, of course, because the dude is way too old to be Robin. Uh, to make Nightwing a reality, I was supposed to be Robin 30 years ago, but it didn't happen. It was a blessing. So ready for it now. We need a black hero in the DC Comics world. So, who knows? Give us a call! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul, please. We Paul. have some ideas. We have some thoughts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... That uh, you guys appreciate that, especially because he uh, has brought up being Nightwing and stuff. And amazing, it all comes you know, full circle. Oh, it is it, true. It, it might, you know, and, and you know, there's some speculation from people being like, "Are gonna are they gonna hint about him in the Flash movie of him in like a Nightwing costume?" Oh, I'm like, man, I don't know, but I, I would, would love it if I they did. Cry. I just, uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't like flashes like, of images in the Speed Force kind of thing, something like that. Yeah, maybe. You know? I mean, if he is meeting Keaton, then it would make sense for there to be like some hint about other people he teamed up with. But you know, I could also see it being left open so that whatever interpretation you can make about what happened between Returns and and the Flash, you can make that. You know, so uh, we'll just have to see. But yeah, that is Marlon Wayans's word on it. He's still interested. Uh, and it maybe not wow. necessarily the green speedo version, but something similar to the scorpion <laughs> type, or maybe even Nightwing. So uh, we'll just have to see. But in the meantime, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to our research assistant, Dan, for gathering the visuals for this YouTube experience. Just for uh, some inside baseball, this was kind of at the last minute, too, because I was very busy recovering from COVID and other stuff. And so like this, a lot of the stuff that Dan put together was pretty much less than 24 hours beforehand. So thank you, Dan, um, <laughs> for doing this for me uh, on this stuff. Uh, moving on to the fan comments. Uh, Gamer YouTube says it is obvious that Batman Forever, Batman and Robin are not canon since the tone is very different. The last two are more comical and cheerful. Um, I'll say this. I can see what you mean. I think now they're definitely not canon, especially with like the Batman 89 comic and, you know, Keaton yeah. coming back into the role. And I doubt they're going to say that he was the same Batman in the Schumacher movies. However, like as we've talked about, it is in the beginning, it was intended. They were intended to be sequels. And this was not the time of like the multiverse. This was not the time of, of uh, continuity being super heavy. So like it was intended to be a sequel now in the lens of 2022, which seems very obvious. It's from a different world, but Again, like this is this is a different time uh, that these were being made. And I'll also say that I don't think tone itself is indicative of a different uh, universe, considering how varied you've seen these other uh, movies. Just look at the James Bond movies, even like if you compare just the early Sean Connery's with Roger Moore in space in Moonraker, as I'm sure you've seen, Eric, it's just like it's kind of tough to believe it's the same dude uh, <laughs> and stuff. And the similar thing with like, look at the MCU, like. Captain America Winter Soldier is like hardcore, you know, spy movie, action movie type stuff. And then you've got zany shit like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's part of the same world, 
you know, even just look at the Ant-Man 3 trailer in comparison to the first two Ant-Mans. Like, it's tone's completely different. It's supposed to be the same universe, and we buy that shit now. So I wouldn't say tone is the way that's indicative of it. It's just kind of how things turned out now that we're a little bit more multiverse friendly in the audience. Yeah. Can you buy them in a DVD set? If you can, yeah. <laughs> then they're part of the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they weren't thinking too much about it probably no. at the time, and they were just like, no. "Yeah, it's another, there's another one." It's a little Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one for you. Yeah, yeah. Now these different. days, these days, you know, now that it's like Henry Cavill's being replaced by Liam Hemsworth, they're just like, "Is this the same con?" I'm like, dude, like in the old days, they would just replace him, and there would be no explanation. Now, like, we might need, <laughs> we might get some magic shit where dude. like his face changes or something, or we might not, but. <laughs> Uh, in that in that universe, yeah, you know, uh, totally do that. Yeah, didn't they doing like uh, soap operas where like a literally a new actor will come in playing an uh, uh, like a a well known role, kind of open the door, and it would freeze frame on and be like, this character is now played by this guy. <laughs> like literally, that's what soap operas used to do. Well, like Doctor yeah. Who, they would do that um, transformation. Regeneration. That would all yeah, regeneration yeah. That would just freak me out when I was a kid and see see like my Tom Baker transform into a kid and then become somebody else that was really <laughs> yeah. creeped me out yeah yeah so but i mean i guess like they were a little ahead of their time in terms of like it's an explanation for it but you know yeah. in, in most things where it's not aliens it's not fantasy it's not a case where you know like maybe in netflix is the witch or some witch will like turn turn him into liam hemsworth or something but i if don't, they don't even think they'll do that i don't even think they should I don't yeah. even think they should, you know, like, I'm just like, eh, like, this is just how it works. Like, for, even in, in Marvel, even in the multiverse, we've had Mark Ruffalo instead of Edward Norton. We've had, you know, Don Cheadle instead of Terrence Howard. Even the girl who plays Paul Rudd's daughter is different in this yep. new movie compared to Endgame. Oh, I didn't know so, that. I didn't like, know that. That's funny. Continuity. And then, yeah, we, we are getting Harrison Ford, it looks like, for sure, as the new General Ross. But, uh, you know, we know behind the scenes why that's happening, unfortunately, due to the death of William Hurt. But still, oh, yeah. like, it's not like the MCU was recast phobic either. So it's just it's just a different world and i sometimes i think it's cool and so, other times like this is the downside whenever there's a recast someone's just like does this mean different continuity does this mean variant i'm like no it's just it's business think, thinking about it too much man yeah have you guys ever talked about i'm sorry on the last one there have you guys ever talked about how each movie is like representative of a different time frame in the batman comic uh not quite but uh it's, You've heard that before, right? I've, I've heard that. I think at some point we'll do episodes that are a little bit, you know, kind of like when the Batman came out, we did an episode purely on like all the different comic influences on it. We'll probably do mm -hmm. something similar to like the older ones because it's like, yeah, I know people say that the 89 movie is basically the 30s, like the original 1939 Batman. But I'm like, well, there's still a lot of elements of 70s and 80s in there. You know, there's mm -hmm. still stuff where like when we brought up to daniel waters like hey you were a lot more faithful to the comics than you thought <laughs> during that interview <laughs> You're like, it was, <laughs> yeah it, it was stuff that was like Oopsie. zany silver age mixed with 90s grittiness you know like it it's a mix it's usually a mix of stuff it's usually not yeah. just one specific era so like i understand that but i also think that things are a lot more varied than than people give it credit for yeah let's see uh, Dustin Gibbons gave us a long comment on the Two Face episode that we did with Billy D, uh, with uh, John Hefner on the Billy D. Williams Two Face. Uh, Dustin had an interesting idea. He said, "I always wanted Big Bad Harv to be the enemy of the Dark Knight." So this is interesting. This is a rewrite of the Dark Knight with Two Face as the main villain instead of Joker. 
picture this almost the same movie, but Harvey Dent's evil side is pulling the strings the whole time. You could even see it as burning half the money being Harvey's idea. Uh, I mean, look, you also had the whole two fairies thing and deciding, you know, whether or not to kill people. So like that also could have worked as like a two face thing. I think I brought it before. Uh, essentially, it would be the same film, but Big Bad Harv would be pulling the strings and manipulating the Joker throughout the film to take, take control of all of the mobster op- operations. I think Ledger's Joker would not be happy once he <laughs> finds out about that. Uh, this would be for two reasons. See what I did there? Reason one would be Harv would see it as helping Harvey reduce mafia-related crime, and reason two would be because Harv just wants the money and to be in charge. Harv would be kidnapping Harvey to get Rachel out of their lives because she was figuring out the man pulling the strings was Harv, and he had calculated that Batman would save Harvey, not Rachel. I wouldn't use the name Big Bad Harv or Evil Harvey, but could use something for something like Janice. Janice or Janice being, you know, the whole the two-faced god type of thing. Uh, Joker, on the other hand, would just be breaking Janice out. Uh, Janice now going by Two-Face from the hospital and blowing it up. Harvey would flip a coin to shoot Joker or not, and Joker would live, and Two-Face would help Joker do the ending hostage thing with the two fairies. I also, or the, the SWAT team. I also would have Gordon face off against Harvey while Batman dealt with Joker, maybe have Jim do something to confuse Harvey about what is happening. Then Batman swooped down and knock Harvey to the ground, thus causing Harvey to go to the hospital instead of killing Harvey, show him in a coma with his face half full wrapped up and Joker and or Batman blaming, being blamed for everything. Somehow make the ending set up Harvey being a Moriarty to Jim Gordon uh, as Joker is to Batman. Interesting. Perhaps end with Harvey in the hospital flipping a coin. I hope all of that makes sense. Interesting idea, Dustin. Uh, on this stuff. I mean, yeah, we we have missed out on seeing Two-Face as the main villain uh, in a lot of these things. And there's certain elements of the ending that I can can see working for a Two-Face plan as opposed to a Joker plan as well. So that would have been cool. And I think Big Bad Harv is the only way I would accept Harvey Dent like doing evil things before he becomes Two-Face. I don't like the idea of Harvey always having been corrupt or always having been evil. That's why I don't like the rumor that turned out to you know, mainly be a rumor that Max Shrek was originally Harvey Dent. Cause I'm just like, that would have been a terrible take on Harvey Dent. He's an abusive boss that kills cow, like tries to kill Selena and she becomes yeah. Catwoman to get revenge. Like that's, there's no depth to that compared to the tragedy of Harvey. Um, so uh, it's the, the only way, way I accept it is if it's just like the shades of the big bad Harv side that come about, it's literally the other personality. So uh, thanks Dustin for that. Uh, last one is Ravens that fly with the nightmare eyes on the episode on which Batman did not kill. Uh, Raven says, given the leeway you gave the previous three actors, I'd argue that the fire breather in Batman Returns was an accident from Michael <laughs> Keaton. Since the dumbass spent a full minute standing around like an idiot instead of running the hell away from a bulletproof car that was about to blast off. Like, what did he think was going to happen? <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's got a point, you know, like it does take a while for the car to <laughs> completely turn around and do the 180 in order to, uh, you know, hit him with a fire. So, so Batman would be him. like, I expected you to be smarter. <laughs> <laughs> so, Not this uh, dumb. Thanks, Ravens, uh, for that. But as we said, yes, we were we were judging based off of intent and we did not see intent with some of the other guys. But uh, thank you for that. On to the fan shout outs. Fan shout-outs. Thanks, everybody, up up here on the board here. And I want to thank uh, some of our most recent people, Kevin R., Derek O., Mark M., and Carter, and our other supporters as well, also up on the board. Thank you, guys. You can get up on the board by joining our $1 tier at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And then we have our $5 tier, which will also get you up on the board, but also gets you a whole other show. 
uh, that's this show is free every Monday, but the five dollar tier show is five dollars every Friday, uh, every week weekly show, and we have a ten dollar tier that gets you the one and five dollar tier benefits. Plus, you get to join the monthly meetup. That's a month. That's a meetup with us monthly, um, mm-hmm. near the end of the month generally, and we meet in a Zoom like call and have things to discuss and uh, things of that nature. Plot the end of the world and things like that. So, uh, <laughs> talk about Nightwing's butt. And then uh, <laughs> if Ian's there, we'll do it. And then yeah, we have no somewhat, doubt. we have somewewhat of a store on Redbubble, so superhousepod.redbubble.com and superhouse superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. And this art, the artwork there is by Seth and Santa Cruz. And then you can send us uh, audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Please send us something, please. We still and, want Arnold Schwarzenegger doing Dr. Manhattan dialogue. Nobody has sent that yet. We're very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, we're still waiting. There must be some tired of this world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was 1985. No, okay, anyway. 1985. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I fucked a lot on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you, ever, you ever do the the Conan? Uh, you got me on a tangent now, man. <laughs> Conan he does the, he does the commentary on the DVD for Conan, and in in the commentary, Schwarzenegger is like, "I got laid a lot in this movie." <laughs> he does though. <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyway, uh, it's off screen and on. It's one of the best commentaries of all time. Anyway, um, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Thunderwolf Lives on YouTube. ThunderwolfDrew.com has my whole portfolio except for i'm on a recon.com everybody so this is mm-hmm. uh r-rated power rangers meets stranger things not a fan film but more of an original idea i just said those two things just to kind of that's elevator pitch mm-hmm. um the quick pitch there this is a campaign on indiegogo right now we'll have the link in the description but also if you search a m a n o r e c o n Amano space recon in Indiegogo.com. Indiegogo is I N D I E G O G O.com. You will find it there. Indiegogo is like GoFundMe or like Kickstarter. We're crowdfunding for the next big thing. There is a four minute uh, pitch video on there. You can see what we did. It's bloody. It's rated R. Uh, so check it out. It's like, Again, quick pitch. It's like horror Power Rangers. So mm-hmm. check it out, please. And then last thing for me, Gaming Guide and Podcast. I've been a gamer my whole life. We have, this is uh, another podcast in which we interview uh, video game translators. They, they translate from Japanese to English. Without them, games would stay in Japan forever. So thank them and check mm-hmm. them out. See what they do. Uh you know, they're thanks to them, people are able to play all every basically every game that comes out of Japan. So, yeah, without them, we wouldn't have Mario or anybody, right? So, uh, check it out. Gaming Gaiden, Gaiden is G A I D E N, and Gaiden means if you ever played Ninja Gaiden, it means supplemental story. So, mm. uh, yeah, that's it, Ben. Nice. Shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Superhouse Pod, which is how we've communicated with Eric and Ian in the past. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, on Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod, TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod, 
My website is benwanrider.com where you can read my Gotham script, Gotham Vampire, Young Bruce Faces Off Against the Mad Monk from the 1939 arc, uh, as well as my spec script for Elementary called The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, The Adventure of the Dying Detective, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the Curb Your your Enthusiasm episode they could never make where Larry goes to Disneyland. You a Curb fan, Eric? It becomes mix. I like I, I watch it with my son. My son's a huge fan. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Good stuff. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my YouTube channel is in the description below where you can check out Doctor Who, the Rodent of Time, an audio drama I write, narrate, and edit in which the Eighth Doctor meets Miyamoto Musashi. Uh, my personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. My cat's Instagram is Alfie Pennyworth Cat. Uh, <laughs> and if you have an Alfie or Peanut who'd made a cameo earlier in this Peanut episode. Peanut is um his... By the way, his, uh, his Instagram, Instagram yes. is House of Floofness. Yes. House of Floofness. Other, you'll get to see the other kitties uh, who are not as big of a part of this podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> he's the main one who has a cameo uh, compared he to Alfie. He just likes to come up when I'm podcasting. I don't know he why, is. just how he does it. Makes an appearance. He has to be yeah. in every episode, I think. Yeah, yeah just about. He exists. But if you have an Alfie or a Peanut or any of the House of Floofness, then you can get the uh, Whisker Box, the only cat box for the crazy cat lady and Jen. And if you have a dog instead, that's cool of us too. You can get the Bark Box instead. Give your dog exactly what they want with the Bark Box. The first month off is free, valued at $35 if you use our promo link, which is at superherostuffpod.com slash shop. You can get the Bark Box. You can get the Whisker Box. You can get a Keaton Batman Funko. You can get the Batman huge ass coffee table book that will kill your circulation if you're trying to read it on the toilet. Uh, that's the 80th anniversary book. Don't stand contains, up too quickly. <laughs> it contains when you have that art. tome <laughs> on your legs while yes. you're taking a dump. Indeed. Uh, and that does have the concept art that we revealed earlier from Batman Returns with Robin on top of some random ship that even the uh, concept artist we brought onto the show had no idea what that was for. So we're still trying to figure it out. That's a, that's a mystery we'll solve one day on the show. Uh, but you can also explore other parts of SuperheroStuffPod.com, including the show notes. Uh, same link, SuperheroStuffPod.com slash show notes. And uh, that will show all the different uh, episodes that we have and all the different links that are attached to it. So a lot of the stuff that uh, Eric and Ian talked about, we will have links for all your guys' stuff, all the stuff that you want to promote, any of your social media. Send that over to us, Eric and Ian, and uh, we'll put that in the show notes, and you guys can check that out yourself, so you don't have to just go Google around after this episode, after you're finished watching or listening to it. So, uh, other than that, uh, Eric, did you have uh, anything else you wanted to promote or say before we wrap up? You can catch me on Twitter at Elliot Comics, that's E-L-L-I-O-T-T Comics, and thanks again, guys, for your time and your support. We really appreciate it. You guys are the best. Thank Thank you, you, dude. Yep. And I'm pulling up again, twitter.com slash Enigma Batman. It's where you can check out this fan comic, the third and final issue coming out pretty soon. Yep. All right. And, and I think uh, that is it. Please do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. And Nightwing's butt. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> Nightwing's butt. <laughs> Just a whisper in that asshole. 